Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Raising kids is hard work. Thankless, sleepless, exhausting work. People used to ask us what it's like to have an infant in the household. And I always wanted to say back to them, I have no idea because for the first three months, well, it's such brain fog and exhaustion. It felt like we were just living zombies for those first three months. And we had time jumped to the time when our babies were three months old, thankfully healthy. But those infant days, I hardly remember them. Parenting. It's the wee hours in the morning to late at night, a relentless, never-ending, why are you standing in front of me when I'm trying to go to the bathroom, right through to, are you really going to wear that to school kind of job. With Mother's Day so fresh in our minds, we all remembered how hard our moms worked for us, and we kept Hallmark and flower shops hopping just to prove it. Well, raising healthy, confident kids is hard work. Yes, it's joyful work. Yes, it's rewarding work. Yes, it's work that's filled with moments of delight and satisfaction and laughter, and we wouldn't trade it for anything, but work nonetheless, and often boring, definitely confusing, sometimes filled with sorrow and regrets. As newly graduated parents, Tanil and I are now entering into a whole new era of parenting young adult men, even as we reflect on how it all went. But we aren't done parenting. Our boys still need us to be their mom and dad. And we know that for many of you and others, parenting the adult kids in our lives, especially at times when they are struggling, that can be hard, strenuous, often complicated, painful work. Walking alongside these people who are now adults that we love and helping them flourish in life and finding that just right balance of when we should give advice and when we should abstain from giving advice. Well, as it turns out, the work of raising up spiritual kids is also very hard work. Helping people find and follow Jesus so that they flourish in Christ and fulfill his mission in the world, that too can be painful, exhausting, thankless, suffering, agonizing work. Even as it is mixed with joy and excitement and encouragement and celebration. Well, in our Colossians passage today, we're going to catch a whole lot of this sentiment from the Apostle Paul as he reflects on his own hard work, his strenuous, painful, suffering, ongoing, agonizing, never-ending work of helping God's kids flourish in Christ. So let's read the passage today together. Uh, We're just a few weeks into this little letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in the ancient city of Colossae. 
the letter of the Colossians is one of a handful of prison letters that Paul wrote when he was under house arrest and awaiting for trial before Caesar. It's found about halfway into the New Testament. It's right in the middle of a collection of 13 letters that Paul wrote. It's letter number seven, and it's only four chapters long. Well, last week, we heard a big challenge that Paul gave to the Colossians and to us to continue in the good news about who Jesus is and what he has done. And now, at this moment, getting toward the end of chapter 1, Paul pivots in his talk and very specifically explores how hard he has worked for their spiritual flourishing. So we're going to pick up today in the middle of verse 23, chapter 1, and we're going to just read the whole section together from chapter 1, verse 23, right through to chapter 2, verse 5. I encourage you to follow along either in another window or in the chat bar. There is a place there that lists um, a Bible. You can go to it, or maybe you have your phone or a physical Bible in front of you. But I encourage you to read along. I'm going to read for the New International Version, but any English translation will work. As I read this, though, listen for all the ways that Paul describes his work for their flourishing. Here it is. Colossians chapter 1, starting in the middle of verse 23. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, saints, that's the word used there, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ In you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom And knowledge, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Did you catch all that? Maybe a few phrases here and there. There's quite a bit in this section about the hard work. The hard work of the gospel, isn't there? Notice how Paul talks about this work, but how he's also always connecting it to the reasons for the work. He talks about the fact that he's suffering for the sake of Christ's body. Paul even sees his own suffering 
to be connected to Christ's suffering, even completing it or filling it up in some mysterious way. And because of that, he's able to rejoice. It literally changes his perspective on the suffering that he's enduring for their sake because of who it's for and what it's doing. Suffering. He also refers to himself as a servant or a slave, one who's been commissioned for what? To present God's full word to them, to let them know about this mysterious good news that's now been made known through Jesus, that Gentiles and Jews are part of the family of God. There's a lot that he could have unpacked there, but he moves on in other places like Ephesians and in Colossians, he will do this. But here he just mentions it. He's a servant or a slave of that so that they can be included. He also talks about proclaiming, admonishing, teaching Jesus so that Everyone is presented fully mature in Christ. He talks about strenuously contending, contending to that end, to that full maturity, and doing so with all the energy that Christ works so powerfully within him. He says he wants them to know how hard he is contending for them and Laodicea, the town that's close by, as well. I love that add-on. As well as everyone who's not met me personally. And his goal, of course, he's really clear that they'd be encouraged in heart, united in love, full of the riches of knowing Jesus, who is himself the one in whom all wisdom and knowledge is hidden like a treasure. It's really clear that Paul wants these saints to know that he is working to his utmost for them, for their growth, for their maturity, for their fullness, for their knowledge, for their understanding, for their wisdom, for their flourishing in Christ. He wants them to know this. But why? Why does Paul want them to know this? It's always a good thing to do when you're reading Scripture and you come across something that's a little different. Ask why. Ask some questions. What's going on here? Why would he be saying this? What's his concern? I mean, for Paul here, is he looking for some kind of affirmation? I mean, he's been languishing in prison. He hasn't had a lot of contact. Who knows how long he's been waiting and waiting and wondering. Maybe he just needs a little encouragement himself. So he wants to let them know how hard he's been working for them. Or could he be doing the kind of thing that parents sometimes do to their kids when their kids are being bad or maybe threatening to be bad, you know, the kind of, hey, I brought you into this world and I can take you out kind of thing. What's going on here? Because he really does go on about it. You got to admit, this is kind of a long section that Paul is drawing out in quite a bit of detail about all of his hard work. Well, could it be that he wants them to understand something crucial? He wants them not to miss something he wants them to carry with them, to actually transform them. Could it be he wants them to understand that receiving the gospel, that is the good news about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, as they have received already, it's bearing fruit in their lives, uh, being included in the family of God through faith, and, and now that they're growing up into maturity in Christ, that they're really coming to know who Jesus is. And in Jesus, all this wisdom and knowledge has come to them and is 
bearing fruit in their lives, about this living a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing to God in every way and standing firm and established and not being easily duped by fine-sounding arguments that might come against the truth of who Jesus is. He wants them to understand that all of that that's been happening in their lives has not happened by accident, but as the result of hard gospel work. Nobody drifts toward full maturity in Christ. No community is established in the good news of Jesus. No community finds, follows, flourishes, and fulfills what Christ desires without very intentional parenting, spiritual parenting, very intense coaching, active admonishing, stiff warnings at times. And let's be honest, just good old-fashioned, get-her-done, hard work. And it's like Paul wants them to understand that the flourishing that they are experiencing, which he affirms and celebrates, it's all because they've got this amazing lineup of spiritual mothers and fathers and coaches and pastors and teachers and brothers and sisters and servants and apostles and prophets, guys like Epaphras, who's from them and probably started the church there, as well as this imprisoned little man named Paul, who they've only heard of by reputation, but they've never actually met, that all of these people have been working so very hard for them strenuously contending for them with all the energy that Christ is so powerfully working in them and all for their good. Well, why might that be important for us? I think it's because by knowing this, two important things emerge. First, this motivates us to do for others what others have done for us. This motivates us to do for others what others have done for us. Just as others have worked so very hard to raise us up in Christ, we must now, as maturing followers of Jesus, shoulder this gospel burden for others. To engage the hard work of helping others flourish, even as others have engaged that hard work so that we could flourish. And second, I think this underscores in a profound way how much this work matters. All this talk about suffering, this intense hard work highlights how much all of this that is going on really matters to the Father. It really matters to the Son. This is really the work of the Spirit, and therefore it should matter to us goal of people flourishing in Christ helps us remember why we are actually working, why we should keep helping, why we should endure difficulty and exhaustion and suffering and misunderstanding and conflict, not only endure it, but actually in some way rejoice in it because somehow in that we have joined up with Christ himself and his sufferings for the church. We are adding to the completion of his body even as we experience difficulty. 
through this hard work, the Holy Spirit is bringing new life. You can even see how in joining Christ, Jesus is giving us high honor, high honor as we join him in his suffering work. It makes all this hard work make sense. Now, I'm not Paul. Not even close, of course. And yet, I can tell you that as a pastor who's committed his life to helping the church flourish, to helping people find Jesus and then coaching them along the way to follow him best I can, this window into Paul's inner world and how he's been working, it helps me. It helps me keep engaging. It helps me get up in the morning. It helps me keep getting back up after I have felt knocked down. It keeps me praying long and hard. It keeps me studying the scripture and expanding my understanding of the world that God has called us into. It keeps me engaging in important conversations. It keeps me overcoming discouragement. It keeps me strenuously contending with all the energy that Christ gives to me for you. It's really true. And maybe now more than ever, I need to keep God's goals for the church, for our church, for my life, for your life, in sharpest focus, so that I'll keep working and not quit. But these aren't just encouraging words for pastors. Please, please hear me. They're for all of us. They're for all of us as fellow ministers in the good news of Jesus, that we are called into this work by the Spirit for each other, to seek each other's flourishing in Christ. And that without our hard work, without our strenuously contending with all the energy that Christ is working in us, people won't flourish. This church won't flourish. We won't flourish. Our flourishing is tied up with this hard work of Christ in us and through us for each other. It matters. It matters. We're called to do for others what others have done for us. But where does that land us today? I think there are two practical ways that we can respond to this. Two ways. Let's be grateful and let's get to work. Let's be grateful. Let's get to work. So first, let's be grateful. I want to ask you to consider, who are the people who have worked hard in the gospel for you? Who are the people that have worked hard so that you have been able to spiritually flourish in your life? Now, you might automatically, depending on your background and your faith experience, you might automatically think of your parents or a grandparent an uncle, or an aunt. You might think of a pastor or a youth pastor who had particular influence in your life. You might think of teachers or friends, mentors or guides, coaches along the way. And I encourage you to write down who that is. Who has worked hard for you? Who has strenuously contended for you? Who has endured sleepless nights for your spiritual flourishing? Make a list. Write it out but also go back a bit further than just your immediate ring of family and friends. If you're from a family of faith, who first brought the gospel to your family? 
My mom's side in faith goes a long ways back. I don't know the answer to that. On my dad's side, I know who it is. A faithful man named Roy would come around the neighborhood where my dad was raised in the, in the early 1940s, and he would invite kids to come to Bible camp, Bear Lake Bible camp up in northern Alberta. My dad and his brothers went to Bear Lake Bible Camp for a number of summers. And during those camps, the gospel seed, the good news about Jesus was planted in their lives. It didn't bear fruit for a while. It didn't grow for a few years. But then one day it did. And that man, Roy, became a significant spiritual mentor and coach and influence in my dad's life and the lives of some of his siblings. Well, when I think of the work of Roy, who is now long gone to be with Jesus. I thank God for him. He strenuously contended the energy that Christ gave him, and it bore fruit in my family. Maybe there's others you can think of, people that you want to name. You can also think of our larger church family, even here in our covenant church family here in Erickson. There were two brothers, Melvin and Arnold Peterson, who for a couple of decades would travel throughout B.C. and Alberta and Saskatchewan, connecting with believers, running Sunday schools and camps for kids. And these two brothers, over a series of years, started to connect with some families here in this valley. And in 1939, they planted the Erickson Covenant Church. And for the first five years or so, it was either Melvin or Arnold who were one of its pastors, first pastors here. We can look to them and say they worked hard in the gospel for us. As well as we think of faithful brothers and sisters, other elders, men, women, people that have grown up here in the Erickson Covenant Church in our 83 years of existence and have continued to work in the gospel, to work hard. And we are beneficiaries of that work even if you come from a different church background or no church background at all, but you've begun to grow in Christ, you've begun to connect and to serve at the Erickson Covenant Church, then in some way, these people have had an influence on your life. Name them. You can go further back and further back and further back, down through history, thinking about some of the people who have influenced us and maybe even the stream of, of, of Christianity that we're part of. We can trace ourselves back even to Paul even to Timothy, even to Epaphras, our brothers and sisters in Colossae. Well, here's a suggestion, practically speaking. Why not sketch out your spiritual family tree? Draw a picture of it. Get a poster board out. Whatever. But to actually sketch your spiritual family tree and start naming, who are the people who've worked hard for me? Who are the people, because they strenuously contended I am now a follower of Jesus. Who? In my close-up family or back through history, do I owe a debt of gratitude to because of their work in the gospel? And then as you name them, draw your family tree, list them, think about whatever, then intentionally express gratitude for them. First to God. But then also, if these people are still alive or maybe one of their family members is still alive, why not express gratitude to them, to them directly? Pick one or two people this week and write them a card. Give them a call. Send them an email. And thank them for their hard work 
for you. And share with them how you've been growing in Christ, what you've been learning, what you've been experiencing, how you've been flourishing. And so before we go on, I just want to give us an opportunity now to do the first one, to express gratitude to God for these people. Would you join me? Father, there are so many people who have influenced our lives in little ways and big ways. Particularly, we think today of people who have worked hard to see us flourish in you. We've had different names come to us, different people, times, faces, experiences. And God, we just want to thank you for them. We want to thank you for their hard work. As they sought to be faithful to you, it led to our flourishing. It influences us even now. And we want to say thank you. In specific, Lord, I I actually want to thank you again for your servant, Paul. The fact that he was faithful to you through thick and thin. And we hear his words here, how he strenuously contended for these Christians and for for the, the ones in Laodicea. And then that little line, and for all who have not met me personally, which in some kind of funny way, Lord, that applies to us. That here, almost 2,000 years later, we continue to receive blessing and encouragement because of the hard work of our brother Paul. And so we bless you and thank you for him, for Epaphras, for Timothy, for the countless men and women who have worked so hard, worked so hard for you and for us. And we bless you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So first, let's be grateful. But then, let's get to work. During this whole first chapter and into the second, Paul has sketched out in a whole variety of ways God's goal for his church. And it's actually a very fruitful Bible exercise to go through just what we've done so far. Just go through chapter one through into the first few verses, five verses of chapter two, and just write out all the different ways that Paul captures God's goals. From living lives worthy of the Lord, to pleasing him in every way, to being presented fully mature in Christ, to knowing Christ in whom are all the hidden are all, all are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, to bearing fruit in every good work, and, you know, it goes on. What? There's a lot of different ways that Paul captures the goals. Well, with that list in mind, we see an expansive vision for God's work in us and for us. The work he's doing in our lives, but also that he's calling us to live into with him. We see what God wants us to strenuously contend for with the energy that he gives us through Christ. Because this is God's vision for the church, the whole church, as well as the local church. The church is in this valley, as well as the Erickson Covenant Church. And this scripture today motivates us to get into that work together, to go for it. It is hard work. Paul certainly is not hiding that from us. Helping each other flourish really does take perseverance and endurance and patience and long-suffering. But oh, there's joy too. There's grace. There's excitement. 
there's wonder. You know, you've already heard about Monday's meeting where we gathered to do some hard work together. The hard work that's for the sake of our community flourishing, our church community, we flourish as we serve together, but our whole community as they discover God's love in Christ. This hard work of discernment, hard work of discussion and of prayer, of seeking the Spirit's direction. And we're going to keep doing that hard work together. You know, that hard work came out of another weekend of hard work where at the end of March, uh, uh, core, some core leaders from the church and the leadership team got together for a retreat and we spent hours praying, studying Scripture, listening to the Spirit, discussing with one another, and working hard for your flourishing, for the flourishing of this church. And the work just continues. I mean, to help each other flourish, we need to keep doing the hard work of walking with one another in spiritual friendship, to not let that drop, to not let other things distract us, but to keep engaging with each other in this life of Christ. To help each other mature in Christ, we need to keep up the hard work of serving one another in the name of Christ. Even while we gather for worship and learning and fellowship, showing up here to serve one another in love, planning our worship songs as our leaders do, uh, working out how, to, how are we going to do this live stream thing and recording and trying to make the gospel accessible and, and, and the, the service is accessible to people for whom coming back into the building is really tough right now. Continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to anoint and to lead and to call others into the mission, showing up. Yes, even here on Sundays, when we gather in our live setting to, to set up things like chairs or, or coffee so that we can welcome new people, but also for you who are gathering online, to continue reaching out to neighbors, inviting them to join you online, continue to pray and engage in our life as a church together. To help each other know Jesus we want to keep leading our kids through God's big story, doing that, yes, in our programming here as a church, but also in our partnership with families as moms and dads or foster moms or uncles or aunts or grandmas or, are leading their children into the ways of God. To help each other grow in maturity, we need to keep inviting people to be part of our lives, which includes things like picking up people who need rides, yeah, to worship, but maybe to the grocery store, as well as picking up the phone so that others can hear a caring voice. To help each other flourish, we need to re-engage God's work through the gifts that he's given us, with the time that we have, so that we can all be presented mature in Christ. And you can add more to that list. It could just keep going and going and going. The work that God has given us is multifaceted, but it's all aimed at one thing. Helping each other flourish as God's saints. That's the goal. Helping you become part of God's saints and flourish as God's saints. And so, let's get to work. Let's keep contending for one another. I love that. Let's keep suffering with joy for the sake of others. Let's keep proclaiming Jesus and helping others find him and follow him so that we really do all flourish in Christ and fulfill his mission to the world. Yes, raising kids is definitely hard work. But it is so beautifully rewarding, isn't it, when we see kids stepping into maturity, beginning to develop, to become all God 
has created them to be. And the same can be said for the hard work of raising up others too. To see others flourishing. To see God pleased. Well, there is absolutely no greater joy than that. It's what makes all the work worth it. Lord Jesus, I pray today that that would sink deep into our hearts. Out of gratitude, we would get to work, filled with the energy of you, Jesus. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.